0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, hey everyone and welcome to week 12 of Flourishing in Isolation. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Lottie and I had our first night out last night in 12 weeks. We actually got to go see some real people at two metre distance uh, face to face for a great night out. And uh, I hope you're finding ways to ease through lockdown as we try and find a new way to do normal in this season. But I want to make sure we are flourishing and I've personally enjoyed this series. I hope you are as well. And um, to get hold of the scripture once again and go, how can we learn from these books that we find in the covers of our Bibles. What are they all about? So do get hold of a physical Bible if you can. We think it's a good way to to study, get them open, get yourself comfortable and uh, ready to go. Uh, Because as you know, um, I'm sure many of you have been watching for a number of weeks now, uh, we are covering these prison letters that Paul wrote while under house arrest in Rome. We managed to complete the whole of the book of Ephesians over about nine or ten weeks. We're now in the book of Philippians, uh, one of his second books. And um, I know that if you want to catch up on stuff, you can always go back and have a look on uh, iTunes podcast. If you're listening, Um, you can listen as you go or you can watch on our YouTube channel, Freedom Church UK have a look at those things and let's learn together that's the important thing is take the moment to learn together so uh, last week we learned about how we flourish in isolation based on chapter one of Philippians in that second book we reminded that we have a calling to live out each day as if it were our last because as somebody once said one day it will be our last to live each day as if it were our last. And there were four things I wanted to pull out from last week to say, one, we want to make sure we're sharing our faith with everyone, that we are telling our story the way that Paul said, everyone here knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Do people know what you're committed to? Do people know, do your friends, family, neighbours, they know what you've given yourself to? Secondly, we said, let's not worry what other people are doing. We said, let's not compare ourselves to to others let's make sure we're following Jesus our eyes are fully fixed upon him thirdly we said that we want to live every day honoring Christ that our activities our actions our thoughts are those that honor Christ and lastly that we are in this together we are completely united together that those who follow Jesus are a family are united are one we'll talk a bit more about that today but the importance of this worldwide church throughout history and we are part of that movement. I don't know how you're getting on with applying those things. The challenge of any kind of Bible study or any kind of study full stop is about how do you apply what you learn? I'm very aware that we are in danger right now of sitting at home and consuming information, of consuming new ideas, but it's really hard to put them into practice when we're stuck in our homes and we're limited in how we can ease out of lockdown. So have you managed to apply any of this stuff? Have you managed to find opportunity to share your faith, to click share online and tell your friends about Jesus? Have you stopped comparing yourself with others? Comparison is a thief of joy it still was the fun of being unique everyone was made in the image of god and he loves us just the way that we are are you living each day honoring jesus are you getting up in the mornings and saying today is a good day to follow jesus and do you know that you are not alone that you are loved and you are part of a family. Those of you who are part of Freedom Church and if you're a visitor here today with us, you're really welcome to join in. And if you're part of the church, then you are a part of a huge body of people. You are not alone. We are in this together. Well, hopefully you are ready to go. You've got your Bibles, you're sitting comfortably, and uh, let's get started. We're gonna start at the beginning of Philippians chapter two. And it's all about having the title here in my version, which is the New Living Translation. It's all about having the attitude of Christ, having an attitude of Christ. So starting from verse one, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Verse two, then make me truly happy. agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose this is like one of those hyperlinks we talked about back to Ephesians 2 which was week three of flourishing in isolation he's talking again about unity about between Jews and Gentiles with one another are we being united are we together with one mind and one purpose And he starts his whole chapter with these four rhetorical questions. If it's like this, then what about that? If this, then that. It's like a, a science equation. And he says those questions Is there any encouragement if you belong in Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together in his spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? He's then saying, Well, if that's the case, then make sure that you're united, make sure that you're working as one, make me truly happy by agreeing with each other, loving each other, working together with one mind and one purpose, that's his plan. He said in this whole thing about if you, if you know there is love and there is joy and there is unity, then do these things, behave this way. If you're experiencing this, then that which is kind of Paul's structure a lot. When he writes his letters, this is typical for Paul, who wrote a numerous amount of books in the New Testament. And in in the book of Romans we find this, in the book of Ephesians we find this. He explains the blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then once he's done that, it becomes Paul's sort of basis for his exhortation to live as followers of Christ, to Christian living. And it's the same pattern um, over these same few verses. Since there is encouragement, comfort, fellowship, affection and a compassion for us in the gospel, then he's saying we should live a life of unity, of love, of humility, as we'll see in a bit longer further down. With a profound understanding of the gospel message, it should affect the way that we live. How do we agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, love one another, And working together with one mind and one purpose. How do we do that? Paul carries on very helpfully in verse 3, giving a very clear answer. It's it's a simple solution, it's not always very easy. So Paul says, Look, if you want to be in unity, if you want to express the love of God you've experienced to others, then try this. In verse 3, he says these words Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too c.s lewis famously would often say humility is not thinking less of yourself it is thinking of yourself less jesus said in mark 12 that we should love our neighbors as ourselves but Paul is like taking that challenge to a whole other level he's saying well don't love your neighbor as yourself he's saying treat others as better than yourselves treat others more favorably than yourself that's one of the tragic things of the story we saw in the news the last two weeks of of George Floyd in the States You know, it really got me last week. I spent numerous hours um, studying and reading different articles, watching various YouTube clips and going, this is just not acceptable because why? The way that he was treated by another human being is unacceptable. You know, we, we wouldn't do that to an animal, to, to lean on the neck with a knee until it passed away. We wouldn't do that to another human being. Why would we do that? Because it's someone of a different race or a different culture or a different nation of a different background or a different language. Humankind is valuable, it's precious and we should treat others better than ourselves. How dare we look down at anybody let alone treat somebody so badly, to be to be deliberately, not so unkind, but malicious, to, to hurt people, both our words, our actions and our deeds, and to, to do to others. You know, we should be treating others better than ourselves. That's what Paul is saying here. And that, that concept of Black Lives Matter, you know, that we've seen the protests in the news and some people say, well, surely it's all lives matter. That's true, but other lives. And Paul is saying that other people are always more important. And I think the problem when we say all lives matter, we just end up saying that everything's okay. It's kind of almost saying that everyone's special. We don't offer any kind of value to the individual. Other people are always more important. It's something we should always tell ourselves every morning before we go to work, before we see our family. Other people's lives are more important than what we have to bring. And that story of the lost sheep where Jesus goes out or tells a story of the the shepherd who goes out to find the one. You know, there's 99 sheep in the home. There's 99 sheep that are safe. And maybe if Jesus had said, like I saw a, a cartoon this week saying all sheep matter and Jesus leaves the sheep behind, he goes, there's one that needs rescuing. Others always matter. Other people Matter. every life truly does matter but it's always about others if you want to live the jesus way it's not about our comfort our needs our wants our desires it's about others and how we treat them if you're ever unsure of how to behave as a christian prefer others to yourself i know the times when i've got things wrong is because i put myself I know that uncomfortable feeling where I think I could have done a better job in that conversation in that scenario in that situation in that discussion I had with somebody I knew there was a moment where suddenly my own needs were put before the other persons and that has never been the Jesus way He always went to others I've just been recently reading a, a number of books But one I've been reading recently is this book here called in the name of Jesus by Henry Nguyen And I just want to read a couple of paragraphs from this book to you. Um, Just to set a bit of context for you, Henry Nguyen is a or or was a a priest and uh, he was a theological professor. He was a multiple author and for 25 years he'd been studying the word of God. He'd been celebrating. He'd been leading people. He'd been teaching people. And he, he says a dark time of his life. He felt like he'd lost his way spiritually. He was starting to put himself first rather than others. And he was getting frustrated with seeming a lack of connection with God. And he said, God, what do I do to get back in a healthy place with you again? And he really felt God speak to him about going and giving everything up and going to a place called La'ash. La'ash is a, is a community of uh, handicapped, uh, mentally handicapped people um, that was set up over a number of years. And he went and gave up all of his work. All of his well-impressive work, that people you know, admired him for, and he gave it all up to volunteer and for a number of months to experience, what well, he says, a newfound freedom, which he writes about in this book, In the Name of Jesus, which is a really thin book, but it's it's probably one of his best-known pieces of work. It's fantastic, I'd encourage you, if you've got time, to get hold of a copy and to read it. Let me just read to you what he says there. The first thing, This is his word here. The first thing that struck me when I came to live in a house with mentally handicapped people was that their liking or disliking of me had absolutely nothing to do with any of the many useful things I had done until then. Since nobody could read my books, they could not be impressed by them. And since most of them never even went to school, my 20 plus years at Notre Dame, Yale and Harvard did not produce a significant introduction. My considerable ecumenical experience provided even less valuable. When I offered some meat to one of the assistants during dinner, one of the handicapped men said to me, don't give him meat. He doesn't eat meat. He's a Presbyterian. He says not able to use any of the skills. ...that had proved so practical in the past was a real source of anxiety to me. I was suddenly faced with my naked self. Open for affirmations and rejections. Hugs and punches. Smiles and tears. All dependent simply on how I was perceived at the moment... In a way, it seemed as though I was starting my life all over again. Relationships, connections, reputations could no longer be counted on. This experience was and in many ways is still the most important experience of my new life because it forced me to rediscover my true identity. These broken, wounded and completely unpretentious people forced me to let go of my relevant self. The self that can do things, show things, prove things, build things and force me to reclaim that unadorned self in which I'm completely vulnerable, open to receive and give love regardless of any accomplishments. And then he says this, he sums it up. He just said, I'm telling you all of this because I am deeply convinced that the Christian of the future is called to be completely irrelevant And to stand in this world with nothing to offer but his or her vulnerable self. That is the way that Jesus came to reveal God's love. The great message we have to carry as ministers of God's word and followers of Jesus is that God loves us not because of what we do or accomplish but because God has created and redeemed us in love and has chosen to proclaim that love as the true source of all human life powerful stuff there from Henry Nguyen that reminds us that right at the centre of who we are is that person that God loves, not for our abilities or our efforts, but because we are his child. And this will tie in to the next part here in verse five. He carries on and says these, sorry, before I rush on, I don't want to rush on. um, Let's just take a moment because that's just a lot of powerful thoughts there. The idea of giving up all that you are known by. To just become less of you so you can become more of God. Powerful stuff. God bless you as you're listening in here. I hope this is sinking in. I hope this is making sense to you. Verse 5 says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality or similarity with God something to cling to or a prize to win instead he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form he humbled himself in obedience to god and died a criminal's death on a cross because of the style and content of these verses uh, six to 11, you'll see there in the Bible it's often written slightly differently, is like a centralized um, kind of the way it's laid out. It's like almost a poem or a hymn, some would say. It links very closely to a number of chapters in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 53, and you can connect those up together. Just earlier this week. I was listening to um, the Lectio 365, which is a devotional app, which you can download uh, free. It's been created by CWR and by the 24-7 prayer movement. And uh, earlier this week, uh, they had somebody from, um, who was born in South Africa, but now lives in the UK, by the name of Iswe Nkosi. And Iswe was talking about his experiences growing up as a black man in the townships or black child in the townships of South Africa. And he was using this scripture and, and telling some of his ex- experience uh, of racial abuse and, and apartheid in that circumstance. And he, he talked about this particular passage that we're looking at today. And he talked about this almost V, there's like this downward slope of verses 6, 7 and 8 before there's an upward slope of the other side of the V. There's like this kind of downward trajectory and then there's this exalting moment. That Jesus gave up all that he was entitled to. He gave it all up. He did not cling on to the prize he could have had. He gave up the throne of heaven. He gave up being at the right hand side of God the Father. He didn't cling on to it. He humbled himself, it says. You know, he said, I'm choosing to be different. I'm choosing to make myself lower. He's choosing to be less. It's the importance of being hidden something I'm still learning. In this season of of lockdown, there's a desperation to try and still be relevant, to still have a voice, to still be heard. And I find myself wanting to put things out on social media. I think, why? Stop. I don't need to do all that stuff. Uh, My my two girls, Flo and Mimi, uh, had a sunflower growing competition with my wife, Lottie. They planted seeds in tubs of soil Put them on the windowsill and they said, Let's measure them and see whose grows the furthest or the tallest. And the two girls, theirs went shooting up really quickly, six, seven, eight inches tall. Uh, Lottie's didn't go anywhere, it just died. And you can't see what's happening underneath the soil. You don't know what's going on until there's some shoots that come out. And the truth is, many people are hidden, they're not seen. They're being humbled or they've chosen to be humbled, but there is great growth happening. The seed is breaking open. It's putting the roots down. It's preparing to push through the soil. And that's what Henry Newman did when he went off to La he was He was giving up everything he had, like Jesus gave up everything he had. He humbled himself and he was being planted. He was being sown. He was being prepared for something much greater. To provide future seed for others to benefit from. But many of us are unwilling to be humbled or to choose to humble ourselves. We're unwilling to go in the hidden places because there's greater um, elevation to come. And we want to try and create our future for ourselves. So the writer here, Paul, is saying, you know, because Jesus humbled himself. and He saw those, those, you know, those verses. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm humbling myself. He didn't think of equality with God, something to be clung to. He gave up his divine privileges, took on the humble position of a slave. Therefore, in verse nine, therefore, because of the way that Jesus humbled himself on that downward slope of the V, because of that, God elevated him to the place of the highest honour and gave him the name of all other names that at the name of jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth i mean i mean think about that for a moment jesus humbled himself he gave up heaven he did everything he was asked of the father to do and he took on the role of a slave he took on the role of a human being and god elevated him not just back to heaven he's at the name of jesus every knee will bow. The, the, the knees in, in heaven, the knees on earth, and the knees under the earth, that everybody was going to bow at the name of Jesus. And every single tongue, whatever language they might speak, will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's amazing, isn't it? As Jesus humbled himself, God elevated him to a position he would never have believed possible. And I believe that God wants to elevate you to the place he has for you. He wants you to be seen, but he needs us to humble ourselves and hand over responsibility to him. Our desire for personal success may be working against the very plan that God has for each one of us. Success in God's eyes is not about self-achievement. It's about self-sacrifice. It's about emptying self. At the start of this year, as some of you will know, I, I wrote a book called Simply Church. And I wrote this book, and, um, because I, I love the church. I want to tell the story of the early church. How does it compare to the church of today? And I wrote this book, and the publishers were really helpful to getting it up and running. And they said, if you release the book, In February, March time, and then we'll be able to hit all the kind of major uh, Christian events throughout the year. That we'll be able to sell it. We'll be able to stand on platforms and do seminars and and keynote speak uh, speaking, and and we're going to promote the book. And if you take up a a Facebook page, and I set up a Facebook page, and you have to choose, you are now a public figure, and you can promote the book, and you can quote the book, and you can sell the book. And I set all these things up, and I thought, great, okay, if that's what I'm being advised to do, I should do those things. And then, as you know, all those great church events that we're meant to be involved with, you know, those Christian events, national events, they, none of them happened in the way that we expected them to happen. Many went online and different things took place. And this big platform I had to sell these books disappeared. And I felt this desire in me to quickly promote and encourage people, read this, read this, get hold of this. And I, I'd still wanna be you know overlooked or become irrelevant. I thought, I've got something to say. And I found myself almost chasing after self-success. But the Bible calls us to humble ourselves and to think of ourselves less. And so I deliberately deleted my Facebook page. I don't want to be a public figure. I want to be a, a father and a husband and be a great church leader and do what I do really well. Uh, I, I didn't want to, I didn't write the book so I could sell multiple copies. I wrote the book because I believe in what I was writing, I wanted people to hear about this message but part of the process was just me getting it out of my head and onto a piece of paper. It's a process I enjoyed and hopefully we'll sell some copies, we've already sold quite a few, it's true, but I don't want to be uh, exalted because of my own efforts. I want to be humble and choose humility and allow God, if that's what he wants to do, to exalt me to the places he wants me to be. I find it sad that one of the most requested songs at funerals these days is a song, I did it my way. It's one of the most common songs. Many people want to look back in their lives and go, yeah, I did all that. I achieved all that. I climbed my way to the top of the tree or the ladder, or whatever it is. But the Christian story is not one of personal success. It's a story of pointing to Jesus and saying, I did it his way. The way of Jesus to do life his way, to empty ourselves of self to shine brightly for him not for our own benefit if we carry on verse 12 he then says dear friends you always followed my instructions when i was with you and now that i'm away it is even more important work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying god with deep reverence and fear for god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him this is some kind of paradox that Paul's saying. He's saying, humble yourself, be like Jesus, you know, you make yourself less. But then he's saying, work harder, showing the, the benefits of your salvation. H- hide yourself, he's saying, but don't disappear. Remove the self piece, but promote the God part of you. To obey God, let him do his work, his unseen work. As you humble yourself, let God promote you you will shine you will shine the darkest place if you follow the way of jesus diligently and live like him just like Moses, when he spent time in the presence of god his face shone as you spend time in the presence of god god will align you with his purposes you will light up other people's lives when you give them your full attention in a self-obsessed world people that focus on others and not on themselves are fascinating to listen to be present be available just a couple more verses before i think we need to bring this to an end uh, as as time is running on by a famous verse verse 14 do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you oh probably one of the hardest verses in this book isn't it do everything without complaining or arguing it's such a natural reaction isn't it when someone criticizes you or says something about you you want to defend yourself you want to react I know that I do my flesh wants to shout what about me when I feel like I've been overlooked or where something I've done hasn't received full attention I want to wave on a shout but you know I've struggled with that criticism I've I've struggled to respond Uh, you know I want to say something but I know that spiritual maturity is being quiet and steadfast. Just as Jesus, when he was accused of things he didn't do, was led like a lamb to the slaughter in silence. He said nothing. He uttered no words. So Paul carries on and says, Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lives in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Shine like bright lights. Make sure you're shining in the darkest places. Again, reminding us back into Ephesians chapter 3, make sure we are bright like heavenly stars in the universe. Make sure we are bright and shining and glowing salt and light matthew chapter 5 another hyperlink there where jesus is is doing the sermon on the mountain he's saying remember be salt be light bring in different flavors into the world celebrate who my father god is make a difference everywhere you go your spiritual light will be a brightness against the back the darkest backdrop even the smallest candle stands out in a dark room and as a bit of an aside I always look out for people with shiny eyes, you know, smiling. Especially these days, you go to the shops and there's people with face masks. You've even more got to look at the eyes and see whose eyes are shining out. Are you shining like the stars of the message of Jesus Christ? And lastly, verse 16, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Run the race. Run it daily, run it deliberately, but don't run it too far, slow down. Don't be blinkered to the world around you. The Christian race is not about speed or achievement. It's how we treat people as we go through life. And I'll rejoice, says Paul, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful servant is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Paul is full of joy, yes, I I might die, but I'm gonna be full of joy. Uh, I mean, uh, amazingly, Paul is in prison at a time where scholars tell us that that Nero was burning Christians. He was setting light to them as like candles in garden parties and barbecues. He was setting lions upon Christians to to decimate and remove uh, this group of people who followed the way. And Paul is right there in Rome, knowing this is going on and says, you know, I might die but I'm trusting God because I want to be somebody who wants to be full of joy. He said, Jesus died on the cross for me. Why would I not want to risk the same? I want to be someone who's joyful in God, even if I lose my life. What an incredible statement to make. So as we wrap things up today, we can learn in Philippians chapter 2 so much there. That the way of Jesus is the way of humility, of humbleness, joy in the face of death. That we need to learn as followers of Jesus to treat others better than ourselves, not just love our neighbour as ourselves, but to treat them better than ourselves. So, secondly, to empty ourselves of self, to remove self and the desire for relevance, to humble ourselves, that we might shine brightly like the brightest stars in the sky, as we quietly run our race every day. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you know every detail of our lives. You've made us, you've created us, you've shaped us in our mother's womb. You know everything about us. And Lord, you've got a plan for each one of us, a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. Lord, may we not chase after our own ideas of what we think we should be doing. May we be people that sacrifice self, humble ourselves and allow you to elevate us to whatever you want us to do, that we would follow you and live your way, shining like stars in the darkest of skies, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us once again. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk.